In the Gun, episode 12, it's time for a Virginia Tech review. Exit Sandman down in Blacksburg. Wesley Euler with the best teammates in the business. Jed Drenning, Owen Schmidt here. It's your new favorite WVU football podcast, ITG. Gentlemen, how we feeling? We needed that one Thursday night. I needed it. You needed it. Mountaineer Nation needed it. The team needed it. Neil Brown needed it. Shane Lyons needed it. Uh, Mary the Mountaineer needed it. Everybody needed it. How we doing? Oh, jeez. <laughs> can I? Can, you know what? All right, let's do this now. Let's do this now. I was going to wait till later, but let's do this now. I hate to say I told you so, but I told you so. I mean, you know, our preview episodes, you guys were playing the, oh, well, Virginia Tech, and look at Holy, the numbers. Hold and up, hold and up, hold up, man. Hey, oh, no, hey, we're going to go in there. Hey, we're take some flesh. Hey, we'll, we'll get later in the episode to why he didn't pick the right defense in the Big 12 that allowed the fewest <laughs> points. Who might that have been? But, but anyway, uh, I'll, I'll say this. My buddy Will Gregory popped on the Twitter. You saw it, I think. And he said, fellas, that wasn't a pistachio. That was pistachio ice cream. Oh, and that he said it brilliantly. I mean, that made a lot of ills feel pretty good for the span of a couple days. And and I stayed down to do the post game. So the team left right after uh, Coach Wallace and I stayed back. And you know what? We're wandering around. We couldn't find his car. I mean, we, we left it there 12 hours earlier. The place looked completely different. So at 1.30 in the morning, Coach Wallace and I are taking the scenic tour all the way around Lane Stadium. They got a nice little trail through the woods. We're carrying all our gear and our, our equipment. We had a bunch of stuff I had to take back to MSN that we had to break down for the post game. And we didn't even care, you know. I mean, finally, with the help of some people running the shuttles, they couldn't even find it. But we finally got out of there, and we were still smiling. We, we just didn't care. You know, we, we were both saying, you know what? Everything is easy to tolerate when you win. Yep. You know, and and the next morning we were all tired, right? Owen, you and I were texting. You were tired. Nobody cares. You were tired and you were happy. You know, I had a long drive. I worked the next day. I drove home and I loved every second of it. I enjoyed the scenic tour up 220 from Virginia to West Virginia. Everything tastes better, feels better, smells better, looks better. Uh, you know, the biggest margin of victory in the long history of this series for the Mountaineers in Blacksburg. The third largest overall in the history of the series. So to go in there and take care of business the way we did and do it while we're playing, we played an imperfect football game. It was rough around the edges. It was flawed in a couple. We'll, we'll get into that. But uh, to knock off a rival in that kind of environment by 23 points and you, you can still have opportunities to learn from it and get better. Wow. How's that not make you feel good? Yeah, I agree hundred percent, Jed. We, at first, uh, when the game first started, it was, I, I kind of didn't know where we were going here for a second. I was like, oh, man, you know, enter Sandman got us. But, uh, you know, it evolved into uh, being on the right side of the ball. And, uh, you know, we came out with a huge win. And I know that place was electric. Um, you could tell from, from the television. And uh, we, we put in a good effort, man. We, we finally got some a couple things, like we said, to correct whatever cleanup uh, and some things we could have possibly done better on I, I like the run game I thought uh, I thought uh, Johnson really stepped up I thought his reads were one cut and go they were just a little bit quicker uh, better obviously CJ showed out Tony had a, an unfortunate um, fumble there in the uh, in in the first I believe or the second quarter uh, but uh, other than that I mean I, I was happy with the game um, and man you want to talk about 
extending the uh, the glory into the weekend. Man, I, I had a good Friday night as well, <laughs> right? So this weekend's been I've been on cloud nine right now. I mean, I'm I'm living it up. I'm living it up. Wes, what about you? Hey, you and me both, brother. Virginia Tech, they made that their hokey effect game, right? They had all the inner Sandman hype. They brought back Michael Vick. They did their ring ceremony for their basketball team who had won the ACC championship last year, had the basketball team out there getting everybody fired up. All that just to have your stadium emptied out in the fourth quarter and lose to the Mountaineers by 23 <laughs> points. God bless America. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, this episode of ITG brought to you by our friends at Toothman Ford because we all know cars cost less in Grafton. Yeah, Jed, uh, speaking of you doing the post game, um, I was coming back from Cleveland, obviously, because I work for the Steelers and I'm, I'm part of the, the broadcast team and broadcast crew there. Steelers played in, in Cleveland Thursday against the Browns. Steelers lost. It did not go well for the Steelers, particularly in the second half. They were a disaster. And we're driving back from Cleveland right across the Ohio Turnpike. It's about two hours from Cleveland to Pittsburgh. That's the only game we drive to. We fly to all the other ones. Uh, and everybody is miserable. Everyone's depressed. You just lost to the Browns. It's cold out there in Cleveland and windy and was not a very kind of, you know, good weather game, if you will. And I'm sitting there on the ride home. I got my AirPods in, and I'm listening to Jed and Andrew Caridi and Dwight on the post game, and I'm smiling like a butcher's dog, baby. Everyone else around me is all sad and depressed. It's 1 in the morning. I'm listening to Jed and the boys break down the win in Blacksburg. I was having a grand old time. You want to know how well it went? Here is, you know, when you're living right, okay? So late in the middle of the post game show, this is when most of the building is already cleared out. I mean, Wes, you know what it's like. It's these places turn these places turn into ghost towns when you uh, you're the one that locks them up and leaves, right? Well, I wanted a a stat book. I wanted a game book. All I had was the quickie stat sheet, and I thought, all right, I want to take a look at this and see some drive charts and things like that. And that's all in the game book. So we were on seven. It, it's a setup at Lane Stadium, somewhat like Boone Pickens, and that Boone Pickens, you go up to the top floor. Oh, and then you walk across a mining belt across the roof of the stadium. And it's like a deer camp. Okay. You're almost like in a deer stand looking down. At the, that's the press box. Well, this is similar to that, except you don't walk outside quite as far, but we were up on seven. Well, the media levels were down on eight or excuse me, down on five, I should say. So that's where the food was. That's where the media kits were. Uh, that's where basically uh, the media row was. Meanwhile, the broadcast booths are up on seven. So anyway, I went from seven down to five and I think, okay, I'm going to see if I can get lucky enough to, to grab a couple game books for the post-game show. And I got down there, and I'm looking everywhere, and I couldn't find them. So I finally go into where the food was. And I heard people in the vendor area where the food was because they had a little prefab table set up earlier in the day where they had two deeps and things like that. So I thought maybe there's a game book in there. So I asked one of the vendors, I said, hey, have you seen any stat books? And they're like, nope, they cleared all those out. But you want some brisket? And I was like, what? Dude, I'll post a picture of the bag of brisket they gave me. So I took it back to the hotel, put it in the freezer, packed it on ice. Uh, my wife and I had it for breakfast yesterday morning. I just made some steak sandwiches with it today. It was a giant bag of awesome brisket. So we beat the Hokies. I wasn't eating bird. I was eating beef. So it was just, it was an all around great couple of days. I mean, that's, awesome. that, that's when you tell you're living right. When you get a that's giant awesome. bag of free biscuit, brisket. Not only not only did you get the W in the stat book, but you also got breakfast for for yes. uh, for the weekend as well too. Uh, quick head, we're gonna go to the fifty yard line here in a minute with Jed. I know that we want to talk to him about that atmosphere a little bit more and some of the things he saw. Uh, quickly first before we go there, 
Um, we've got the finer details of uh, the Mountaineers' trip to Austin, Texas. Of course, this Saturday, it'll be a 7.30 kickoff on FS1, and the Mountaineers open as 10-point dogs, double-digit dogs on the road down there at DKR. Uh, 7.30 kickoff, gentlemen, that means five of the first six games here this season for the Mountaineers will be in prime time. Uh, Pitt, Kansas, Virginia Tech, uh, Texas, and then obviously when Baylor comes to Morgantown on a Thursday, that's going to be a, a nighttime game as well. So five of the first six games in prime time. Uh, that's a far cry from where we were, were the past couple years. And uh, I, I got to think, too, as well, I know a large portion of the fan base, they're not thrilled when the uh, when the games are on ESPN+, Plus, right, and they got to stream them and all that. So mm-hmm. you, get a, you get terrestrial TV, you get FS1, 730 kickoff on Saturday night. Thoughts, Owen? Owen's on mute. Owen's on. Owen, you're muted. <laughs> <laughs> okay, he can mess Here with Here we that. go. I, uh, there we go. I, uh, sorry about that. <laughs> I, uh, man, that makes for a long day. But as a player, that's the game you want to play in, right? I wasn't a big fan of one o'clock uh, during the day games. Uh, really enjoyed the night games. Um, going to be a little bit cooler down there. I'm sure at, at seven 30, I've never actually been to Texas, uh, except for Dallas a few times playing, uh, when I played in the pros, but it was in the dome, uh, the one time. And then once it's in that, uh, the Jerry world, that's kind of like, that's a, uh, not really a real environment in there either. <laughs> it's an amusement park, right? Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, but yeah, I mean, seven thirties are the game. I mean, you want to play the night games. Those are the those are the fun games, man. Those are prime time, like you said. I mean, that's the uh, that's the slot you want to be in. So expect the energy to be high, like I've always said. And and uh, hey, everybody's watching at that point, so you got to sh- show up and show out. If I was the uh, kickoff time czar. All night games, or excuse me, all home games will be 3.30 kicks or later. And all road games will be early kicks. Yes. For a host of reasons. Yes. Uh, my first thought when I see a 7.30 kick is that place is going to be juiced up. DKR can get lively under the right yeah. circumstances. Yeah. And my second thought is I'll be rolling back into the driveway in Davis about 5 in the morning, Sunday morning. That's my second. That makes for a long charter flight home. There's no football to watch. It's all over. Everybody's in bed in the whole world except us. Uh, but yeah, I expect it to be a heck of an environment. It's kind of cool because the kids at least get to sit around the hotel and watch some football throughout the course of the day before we make our way over there. But, uh, interestingly enough, I'm sure this will uh, almost certainly be our last trip to DKR with the circumstances playing out with Texas and Oklahoma leading to the SEC. So we came in under the lights in 2012 and it looks like we're going out under the lights in 2022. We will obviously have the full Texas preview for you later on this week. We'll also have another ITG No Huddle where Owen will read some more Jedgar Allen Poe for all of us to get you ready for some, speaking of beef, some Bevo at the weekend. Uh, but speaking of, you know, good environments, electric environments, Jed, um, you were part of one on Thursday night, certainly down there in Blacksburg. Before we go to break here, take us to the 50-yard line. What did you see on the field, on the trip? Paint the picture of Lane Stadium for us. Well, as I touched on last week, this was my first experience in person there because the last time the Mountaineers had traveled there 
was all the way back in 04. I was doing the pregame for MSM, but I was staying back. I wasn't traveling. So uh, to be there was everything you would hope for. Uh, we were taking their best shot. It wasn't a sleepy early kick on Saturday, as if that would have mattered. But parked in prime time on Thursday night under the lights, as you talked on, the hokey effect game. I mean, they, they rolled it all out, okay? And so we were in the locker room, and I don't normally do this, but Big Daddy and I were talking about Mariner and I were talking about this. We were all kind of by the door. So I'm listening to Neil talk to the team. And I thought, OK, what time is Enter Sandman? Because I didn't want to miss it. And so we were all trying to coordinate them by all of us. I mean, the people that had nothing to do with the actual team, because the players and the coaches sure weren't <laughs> caught up in this. Right. You know, idiots like me and Mariner were. But uh, so we let Neil. He finished his remarks. We came out the tunnel, went down the corridor. And it was like uh, it timed out so the team was in the tunnel. So it gave me a chance to kind of walk out onto the field and soak it all in. And, uh, you know, I've heard some people say that we're up in the stands. Oh, it wasn't what I thought it'd be. This and that. Well, let me tell you this. At field level, it was to me as advertised. I felt the ground shaking. I don't know if it was a combination of the music and the jumping, but uh, I, I got some pretty cool chills. I mean, it was it was to me, again, maybe it's different on the field than in the stands. But when you're standing down there on the field and the cheerleaders are sprinting by and almost hitting you and they got the band lined up and here come the Hokies and then here come the Mountaineers getting booed. I mean, it was it was everything college football is supposed to be. So even when I walked out for the coin toss, I mean, they were still chanting the remnants of the song. Right. I, what they do is they, they take different parts of the song and just keep on chanting it. Never, never land on the line. So even walking off after the coin toss, you're still trying to soak it all in. And it was just a, a very cool environment. And it was a windy night. You talked about the wind in Cleveland. Uh, yeah, there was a lot of wind in Blacksburg. And it was a factor. I mean, early on, I think you saw it impacting the quarterbacks. I mean, if you're watching from afar on television and, and a couple of times JT didn't look as, as laser focused with his accuracies, he sometimes is. I, I think that was playing a factor in that. I know a couple crossing routes that he normally hits them right in stride. That wasn't the case. Uh, and even the kicking game. I mean, that, that, that played a role in terms of the decisions, the considerations. And, uh, but the, the environment was absolutely electric. And, and you know what? The kids were feeding off of it on the sidelines. I mean, the energy of that crowd, because there was also – uh, a significant number of Mountaineer fans down toward our locker room, toward our corridor. And especially at the end of the game, the fact that they could take part in that celebration and migrate down toward the bottom row. Uh, oh, and you've been part of things like that. I mean, it was just so neat to see them. The kids are sitting out there by the end zone enjoying the Black Diamond Trophy. And the fans are sitting there just yards away chanting. And I mean, a throng of Mountaineer fans just chanting and chanting and enjoying it. And uh, it, it was a it was a great atmosphere, and it looks like we won't be heading there again anytime soon. Never say never in this crazy world of college football. Who knows what realignment holds? But but uh, if in fact we don't make it back anytime soon, we certainly made the most out of that one. A tremendous college football environment. I I've now been Louisiana Saturday night at Tiger Stadium in Baton Rouge. I've been on a Thursday night at Lane Stadium. Uh, it was a cool environment. And you know what? I, I, I'm not too proud to say, ah, it's overrated. It's this. No, I tip my cap. And now Pittsburgh was loud, but Pittsburgh was more a combination, right? Mountaineer fans, pit fans. This was uh, unilaterally, with, well, like I said, with a couple exceptions in certain areas or pockets of the stadium, this was tech fans. 
And it was a tremendous, loud, awesome environment. And to the credit of the football team of West Virginia, we we kind of had them sitting on their hands for the better part of the night, especially in the second half. But great environment. Great job. Yeah, it, it's a heck of a time. I, I haven't been able to play there, but I, I did go to a game last year. Uh, I can't remember even who they played, but uh, – <laughs> The intro, I mean, it was it was as advertised. I was like, man, people got up for it. And that wasn't even a sold-out crowd that I had went to, but it was loud in the stands. And and to say about the, the rumbling, yeah, it felt like there might be some uh, seismic activity going on there uh, when everybody's jumping up and down and around. Over Let me ask you something. When you guys went to Starkville, Okay, it was an early kick, but how crazy was that environment in Starkville when you smoked Mississippi State? You remember? Oh, dude, that was an aw- first of all, what a cool stadium! I mean, you want to talk about probably the best, best natural service to ever play on by far. They have like incredible, um, and then yeah, everybody's got cowbells. A friend so of mine that- brought that up because I was trying. Yeah. I was trying to think back. I was saying, okay, first let's start with just environments. What kind of environments as hostile as that one have we ever gone into? And not just one, we've won games in those environments. Yeah. But just blew the doors off the other team, like we did in Starkville, like we did in Blacksville, Blacksburg. Uh, and then you take it the extra step. Like a buddy of mine pointed out, well, that Starkville had to be crazy in 06. And I was like, okay, now let's take another step and say, all right, what about prime time? What about nationally televised, sold out under the lights? I mean, it's I'm telling you what, it's it's not that often, if ever, West Virginia goes into a sold out primetime environment as hostile as that truly hostile road environment and wins by 23 points. We've won some games in those environments, but not primetime sold out. You know what I'm saying? I was trying to think back through it. I I can't really come up with any, but the Starkville game came up just in terms of environments in general. Oh, yeah. It, well, when we went down there and we we played well. Yeah, you sure did. You blew them away. Yeah, we we played well. So yeah. um, Pat, Pat Pat took one to the house on like the first play of the game, didn't he? Yeah, it was oh, like yeah. it silenced their crowd like yeah. instantly. See ya. <laughs> it was take like your, take your cowbells, take yeah. your cowbells, shine them up real nice, and stick them where the well you get you get it. There you sun go. don't Anyhow. sun don't shine. Anyhow, yeah, you know what, Jed? I'm 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 hopeful. Uh, you know, you mentioned Saturday night at Tiger Stadium, Thursday night at Lane Stadium. I'm hopeful we get primetime Penn State whiteout next year. Ooh, that's, ooh, that's, ooh. that's one of the other ones I'd like to – I'd like. That's to one I want to make for sure. Oh, man. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I'll tell you, though, the last time that I remember a game like that in primetime with the stadium just cleared out, WVU fans taking over at the end and having that moment, it obviously wasn't a true road game, but – that was what the Orange Bowl was like against Clemson. Yeah, it was. That's yeah. the last – and one of those big primetime games that, that WVU won that handedly. I was fortunate enough. I was, I was there with my mom and my dad and a couple of our friends. And by the fourth quarter, all the WVU fans were down in the lower bowl just on both sidelines, just, oh, yeah. you know, just having a blast. Everybody, you know, migrating down to the field because half the people there left. Um, those those those. Those times are rare, um, and, and you, you certainly soak them in. You know what I remember about they, that? They Two things. I remember seeing Dabo on the cart coming back from the presser, right? And he zipped right by me in the corridor. And because I was heading to our locker room, and he just zipped right by me. And the look on his face of if 70 to 33 had a facial expression, <laughs> he was wearing it. And, <laughs> and the other thing I remember, 
the next morning i had a job interview in philly so i pulled an all-nighter we got back to we were staying to fountain blue the team hotel and i got back at like three in the morning so i just stayed up uh my wife and I mean, our one child uh, was was there with us because the other one wasn't born yet but they just stayed in bed and left with the team the next morning meanwhile i showered i went to miami international to catch a flight without going to bed and i was in line i didn't have anything wvu on i had my suit on and i was in line with a bunch of clemson fans and just to sit there and listen to the chatter anonymously, we need to fire that Davos Winnie guy. That guy's no good. He's clueless. He's a terrible coach. He's awful. He doesn't know what he's doing. Firing, firing, firing. Well, good things. Uh, good thing for Clemson. They didn't listen to those fans. But, but yeah, I just you're welcome. You're there. welcome, Clemson. We ignited yeah, welcome, your, Clemson. your best yeah, era yeah. in program history. Yeah. yeah, cooler heads prevailed. Thank God for unanswered prayers at Clemson. But so anyway, those are my memories of the Orange Bowl and, and, and parting. We got to get to our first break here. When we come back on the other side, we'll do some recapping, some of the project predictions, some of the projections that we made. We'll take a look and see how we did. We'll obviously continue to uh, to recap and review the big win against the Hokies as well, too. Wesley Euler, Jed Drenning, Owen Schmidt, you are in the gun. I'm talking with J.R. Toothman of Toothman Ford. J.R., everybody knows a lot of pro athletes buy from you. What's the secret? Just like Will Greer, future Hall of Famer Frank Gore, James Washington, and many more pros, these guys have financial advisors that are always looking out for them to save time and money, and that's why they always shop at Toothman Ford. And what if you're like us regular folks that don't have people giving us advice? You don't need a financial advisor. Toothman Ford will save you time and money no matter who you are. Plus, we'll buy your car even if you don't buy from us. Visit ToothmanFord.com and get a quick, instant cash offer. That sounds like a score to me. That's right. And as always, we'll take anything in trade from chicken wings to Super Bowl rings. Toothman Ford's got a lot of fans. Here's another one. Dallas Cowboys QB, Will Greer. This is Will Greer, former West Virginia and current NFL quarterback. And cars really do cost less than Grafton and Toothman Ford. That's a fact, Will. Thanks. You can shop online anytime at ToothmanFord.com. Back in the gun. Time to do some recaps, some taking a look at how we did with our projections and our predictions. First, we'll take a look at some of the top 25 games we showcased last week. There were certainly some good ones. Uh, we'll pull up the graphic now here on screen for you. Uh, Clemson at Wake Forest, a double overtime thriller. Uh, Florida, Tennessee, the Vols finally over, able to get that Gator off their back. And then uh, another close one, Arkansas at Texas A&M. Speaking of Jerry World, that one at Jerry World uh, as the nightcap. Jed, what stands out to you here as we take a look? Uh, well, on the left, you're looking at the projections from last week. On the right, the actual scores. Uh, the shootout in Wake Forest. Forest. I mean, when you look at Wake Forest, they're actually ranked this week. Kansas still is not. So, meanwhile, you're ranking Wake Forest for a combination of beating Vanderbilt and narrowly losing loss. to Clemson. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I'm using air so that. That's worthy of being right? Uh, but anyway, when it came to projections versus actual scores, uh, as you touched on, we picked Tennessee by 10. We projected Tennessee by 10. They held on to 138-33. Uh, we projected 24-21, or excuse me, 31-24, Clemson over Wake. It was a 51-45 shootout. The one that was much closer to being point spot on, we projected A&M 26-24 over Arkansas. A&M actually won 23-21. Pretty close. Pretty yep. close there. Now let's, uh, let's take a look at the Big 12 as well, too. Busy slate across the conference uh, on Saturday. 
Uh, we'll pull up the graphic now here, Jed, and how'd we do? Uh, well, five games on the schedule. Uh, let's look at the projection versus the actual result. We had Baylor, Iowa State. We projected an Iowa State 24-21 win. Not so fast. Baylor actually won the game 31-24. We projected Kansas 38-28 to over Duke. Not far off. Kansas actually won 35-27. TCU, SMU, we projected the Horned Frogs 35-34 winners. We were close on this. They won 42-34. to uh, meanwhile, we projected Texas as a 30 to 24, 27 winner in Lubbock. Well, we know that didn't play out. Uh, Texas Tech with the overtime thriller 37, 34 pulled the upset over the Longhorns. And another one, we projected Oklahoma in the Palace on the Prairie to knock off Kansas State 34 to 20. We were way off on that one. Kansas State has those Sooners number, they the do. actual score. The Wildcats 41 to 34. What a game for Adrian Martinez. He kind of came out of his shell, didn't turn the football over. Uh, he might be establishing himself as a force to be reckoned with. So K-State rebounds from that surprising loss last week to Tulane. And here we go. It looks like this Big 12 guys might be wide open. Yeah, that uh that was he absolutely had a day had a day it was a lot of fun watching him and he is dangerous that is definitely somebody that team that team in general is dangerous mm-hmm. um seeing him pop off and then obviously uh with deuce vaughn there uh they got some firepower and that's not the only crew they got there um How about the kansas offense baby? yep kansas killing it James uh daniels, daniels man <laughs> Son, he's playing quarterback hey. among the best in the country hey. right now. He right now they said what uh, the the best rating since whatever he's got ninety seven rating is that is, is that oh, true? It's insane. His numbers are stupid. stupid. He reminds me a little bit of Lamar Jackson. Like oh not, yeah, dude. Not quite, not quite Lamar at Louisville. I mean, Lamar won the Heisman at Louisville, obviously, but he's in that <laughs> same kind of stratosphere. Yeah, absolutely, and and we 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 already went to that, you know, we've been there, done that, but you know, like we've said before with them, Hey, they got playmakers there. They're going to give a lot of people issues and they already are. I mean, that that's what's going on here. Um, just good to see some, in my opinion, what I really love about it is I like to see the competition, baby. All right. I don't, I, I don't like to just, I like the evenness, you know what I'm saying? I like the evenness. I like, I like guys going in uh, other people's houses and and beating the bricks off of them, and uh, you know guys coming into places and uh, and pulling victories. So it's that's good football right now. I think this Big Twelve football, like you said, I think it's wide open too, Jed. So no doubt, no doubt. All right, so those were our projections. Now for the predictions that we made, we make three of them every single week. Jed gives you his Big Twelve signal caller of the week where he will predict which quarterback in the conference will throw for the most most yards. Jed, how'd you do? Eh, I picked Max Duggan. And you know what? He got off to a hot start at SMU. Of course, the Frogs did have the big win against the Mustangs. Max Duggan threw for 278 yards. But as you can see on the graphic, that was only good for fifth (laughs) place in the Big 12. I mean, this was a big week of airing it out for the Big 12. Donovan Smith, who I picked a couple of weeks ago. This is the week he comes through to lead all Big 12 passers. Dylan Gabriel, we mentioned Jalen Daniels. 
Hunter Deckers continues to be a productive football player out in yeah. Iowa State as a replacement to Brock Purdy. But Max Duggan comes in at number five. As I said before, we might need to tinker with some sort of point system. I've been, I've been thinking about that. It's hard. Yeah. To Jed, do Jed listen, too, man. I would too if I was over for four. Jed, like you're you. wrong. You're wrong, Jed. Okay, speaking of wrong, <laughs> I want your turn. It's got to be so salty for you to like not be good at this one thing. <laughs> hey, hey, hey as, as Ben Scully used to say, I don't care if I'm wrong as long as I'm not loud wrong. Now, want to see an example of loud wrong? Owen, walk us through your pick. Hey. Uh, yes, the beer trash <laughs> of the week. <laughs> hey, I second guess myself. Oh, well, whatever. Obviously, Pull it Kansas, up. Kansas did what they did. Uh, Jalen Daniels is the one who got uh, got the love that day. Um, Neil coming in fifth place. Uh, I did have that uh, pick of Deuce. No, Vaughn. no, 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 no. No, he didn't come in fifth place. No, he came. Oh, he came in twelve. My bad. Sorry, twelfth place. Yes, I, I the read guy that you picked to run bad. for the most yards. In the big twelve. You're hey, 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 hey! Hold up. As hold you're talking up. trash to me. Hold up. Hold up. This is what I'm saying. You lost, and then you're trying to find some sort of scheming point system. He's seeking comfort, isn't he, Owen? Yeah, he's comfort. Like, listen, when I say this, wrong. Whatever point system I devise, being twelfth place. You're done. You're out. The tribe has spoken. I'll tell you this. I barely had enough time in the weekend to go deep enough to figure out where Devin Neal actually finished. (laughs) I was checking every box score in the free world. There he is, all the way down at number 12. I had you know what? I should have I should have took the low-hanging fruit with you and taken TCU. Uh, I should have at least stuck with my my first overall pick, but uh, I had now to change clarify. your heart. I, I'm doing something here to help you out. Yours is only running backs. If I'd have counted quarterbacks, you'd be a lot lower than 12. Listen, oh, don't right. Right. Oh, wow. Just let him let him be, all right? You don't have no to running backs. On him. It's I the mean, beer truck on. of the week. Only running wow. backs count in the beer truck of the week. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah. Okay, Jed, you know what? That's some anti-Pat White. That's some anti-Pat White rhetoric right there, if I've ever heard it. Okay. Okay. (laughs) I, uh, if it makes you gentlemen feel better, I struck out as well, too, uh, where I predict predict your Big 12 defense of the week. Never been happier to be wrong. Uh, It was was the Mountaineers this week. I actually came in second, though, with with my Baylor pick. Uh, But close only matters in horseshoes and hand grenades. That's what my pappy yeah, well, apparently in Dred's mind, I mean, he's like trying to yeah, get hey, like shaved. Oh, and if we're doing if we're doing a point system, I'm all right here. I'm oh, he's still place. winning. He gets, he gets some he's points. still winning. Yes. <laughs> but all of us, uh, all of us, unfortunately, striking out with our predictions this week. We will try and do better for you next week. We're going to take another break here. When we come back on the other side, it's time to deep dive more into a little Virginia Tech <laughs> review. Uh, we'll take a look at the projections that we made for this game. We'll give some the recaps like we always do, some good, some bad, and uh, our pivotal moments, all that when we return on the other side. You're listening to ITG. Game day got you on the go? We get it. GoMart is here to keep you going all season long with stores throughout our home state. We're a proud West Virginia-owned company, and our friendly staff is committed to serving our communities. From fuel to freshly brewed coffee and snacks, 
A stop at GoMart to cover your game day needs is always a touchdown. Plus, GoMart Rewards members earn points with each purchase to redeem for discounts on gas and free items. So stop by, start saving, and stay on the go with GoMart. Back in the gun here as we recap a big win down in Blacksburg. Let's pull up our final projection here. Vegas thinks we think we think as it related to the Mountaineers and the Hokies. Jed, how'd we do? Well, we projected, and this interesting narrative behind this, early in the week, this line started out West Virginia minus two and a half over under 52, 53, right in that ballpark. At that point, we projected a 27-24 style West Virginia win. What's interesting is that over-under dropped all the way to like 45-46 by the end of the week. So people saw a defensive battle coming. And as we know, the score turned out to prove that right. 33-10 to 10 West Virginia. Interesting little story. West Virginia in the history of the series, which has been played for 100 years, almost 60 games, We've never scored 35 points against the Hokies, ever, okay? So, you mean 33? We've never scored 35. Oh, I get oh, like more than – okay, sorry, yes. sorry. We've sorry, never reached 35, yeah. yes. So, Tony and I had discussed that on and off throughout the course of the day. During the commercial break, because I was pulling for hitting 35, I wanted this to be the night, right? During the commercial break, we got the ball, we were up 23 to 10. I said, all right, there's like 13, 14 minutes left. So Coach Wallace and I are talking during the break. I said, all right, let's mulch it. Let's put together a seven-minute drive, punch it in the end zone, go up 30 to 10, and then a pick six to make it 37 to 10 and wrap it up. That's what I said during the break. So on the broadcast, you might have heard Coach Wallace say, Jed, there's your pick six, not knowing what he was talking about. Well, of course, we know what happened. We drove down. We didn't punch it in. We had to settle for the field goal. 26-10, then the pick six, six, six happens, excuse me. So we don't get 37, we got 33. We came that close, that close. We still could have got 40 because yeah. we took a knee. We were driving to score again. Neil could have punched another one in, but took the high road, the classy thing, of course. But So anyway, 33-10 to 10 after a 27-24 projection. Yeah, I like big, it. big, big win. Big win. Somebody, big somebody, win. somebody on this show predicted a big, big win, but I'll have to go back and, and listen to the, the preview oh, episode. Wow. He thought, he, wow. he thought that Baylor defense would pull out a big win. For <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's get into the good and the bad here. Jed, I'm going to come to you first. You're, you're on the sideline. You're there. You're taking it all in. Obviously, I think we're going to have much more good to, to discuss here than bad, certainly. Uh, so where you want to start? What was uh, what was at the top of the list of positives for the signal caller? I'd say controlling the line of scrimmage on both sides at the point of attack. I mean, we ran the ball effectively uh, over 200 yards. We know what happened there. Uh, but also defensively, we stuffed the run. We held Virginia Tech to its lowest rushing output since 2015. I mean, Jordan Jefferson at the point of attack on that D-line is playing exceptional football Jordan Jefferson is balling out and he is a force to be reckoned with right now on that West Virginia defensive line so we held the football for 38 minutes we now lead the big 12 in time of possession that's helping that defense out in a big way the middle eight that's something that you don't hear talked a lot about that's coach speak Owen probably knows what I'm talking about when we say the middle eight win the middle eight that means the final four minutes of the first half 
and the first four minutes of the second half. And if you look out, if you look at how that unfolded, of course, we got the big stop uh, toward the end of the first half. We had the field goal with less than two minutes to go, then got the big stop, then drove for the score, touchdown, then got a stop to start the second half and went on a lengthy field goal drive, 14 plays. So we won the middle eight, last four of the first half, first four of the second half. That is how you set the tone of a football game. Again, we talk about that rush defense. We stuffed them. We made them one-dimensional and then ultimately destroyed that one dimension in the latter portion of the football game. Third down defense, not just third down. They were 2 of 10, Virginia Tech was, on third down, but 0, of, 0, and 0 for 2, I should say, on fourth down. So 2 of 12 on what we call transition downs. That is winning football. Special teams, Casey Leg, keep on being you, brother. I mean, he is about as dependable as they come. He's now hit, knock on wood, 27 of his last 31 attempts dating back to last year. And then two out of three touchbacks. Now, the win did play a factor by Parker Grothouse. We need more of that. Let's do that from a hidden yard standpoint to help out our field position. That's what I saw as far as the good. Yeah, Jed, uh, it'd be hard to uh, argue with any of that that you made. Um <laughs> Briefly, I'll just speak on kind of the run game. Uh, as far as the backs, I thought obviously CJ did his thing, hit the hole very well. Um, would like to see him protect himself a little bit more at the end of plays because uh, he is kind of a he is a tall running back. Uh, Johnson, I thought, put his foot in the ground and and went. I thought this was a great improvement game for him. Uh, Mathis. Uh, the fumbleitis uh, deal, you know, it is what it is. Didn't make a big deal because we ended up getting the ball back anyways. Um, just clean that stuff up. You know, that's an unfortunate um, deal. But other than that, uh, I was very happy with the guys up front. I thought we got movement. You know what I mean? We did what we needed to do. Defense shut them down real well. Uh, King did not. He did do some, but he didn't do. He didn't. He couldn't get enough going. Um and then, like you said, the special team stuff, uh, just got to keep playing. Just got to keep playing good football. Just keep it up. You're not an issue. Just keep doing what you're doing, right? Let them be crazy. Those guys are nuts anyways. Yeah, I, I, you know, walk away from that in a couple days now to digest. And I can't remember the last time. The, the, the biggest takeaway for me in terms of the, you know, the, the good, the positive department mm -hmm. I can't remember the last time we dominated a game in the trenches like that against, particularly against a power five opponent, right? I mean, I'm, there's, there's been a couple of those games over the years, I'm sure, but against a power five opponent on the road, uh, the offensive line, the defensive line, I, I can't remember the last time we, we absolutely dominated a game in the trenches like that. I mean, it was probably back in Owens day. Right when you had when you had Dan Moses on one side of the field and you had you had Scooter Barry on the other side of the field. I mean it's it's been a long time since since WVU again, especially against a Power Five opponent, dominated a game in the trenches, both sides of the football. Um, and so I think that's why too, even at you know even at moments in that game where the scoreboard was close, where it was still only you know WVU was only up six, WVU was only up a, a possession or two, um, it never really felt like it was in doubt. And I know. As Mountaineer fans, we're all doing that thing, right? Even though the team is playing really well, when the score is still one or two possessions, we're like, all right, this could go south, this could go south, this could go south. But even in some of those tight moments, it it, it never felt like um, like we lost control of that game, like we weren't in the driver's seat 
of that game on Thursday night, and I think the the number there was a lot of reasons why, but the number one reason why, yeah, in the trenches, both sides of the football, um, just an outstanding performance. Even and, the scoring and, drive. When you look at yeah. Tech's touchdown drive, that drive on one possession, Tech had that crazy deflected 17-yard catch. Yeah. They had the third and 13 conversion with the penalty. And then they had the deep ball where that kid climbed the ladder on McCormick. So a lot of things that aren't typically going to happen in succession like that did. So you're right, Wes. I mean, overall, uh, we put ourselves in position by dominating the line of scrimmage to, uh, to be in control. It felt like one of those, you know, when the fourth quarter rolled around, it felt like, okay, we can really pull away here because of how you've been leaning on those guys in the trenches. Mm-hmm. And I don't need to tell you guys this. You, you know this better than I do. But that stuff has a cumulative effect. And sometimes it takes till the fourth quarter till that dam really, really breaks. Um, but you could just feel them wearing those guys down. Uh, our offensive line, our defensive line, just, just beating those guys up, leaning on them, wearing on them. And, uh, and so I don't think it was very surprising for anybody when that finally paid dividends there, uh, particularly in the fourth quarter. Other side of this, Jed, as always, in every victory, there's, there's always some things that, that you know, we still want to clean up going forward, if you will. I'm, I'm sure Owen has a couple. I know I've got one or two. Uh, what stands out to you here now as we fully get ready for conference play, um, some areas where we could still see some improvement? Uh, the slow start. Uh, now, that was the byproduct of a lot of things. Uh, part of it was the environment. Part of it was the crowd. But had we gotten off to a faster start, you just got the sense that that would have put Tech from a trail position really playing a more desperate brand of football. And I think we could have forced them into some turnovers and run away with this thing a lot earlier. But the slow start kept them hanging around, kept the crowd lively and energized and into it. And as a result, it took us longer to separate and kind of put things in jeopardy longer than it felt they needed to be. Uh, so a faster start would have helped. Third down offense, that's been a strength of ours with Graham Harrell. We've talked about it how many times throughout the course of the first handful of games. Not so much the other night. Now, Virginia Tech is an exceptional third down defensive football team, but you got to do better than four of 13. That's not winning football. Uh, Now, part of that, which tied into the red zone issues, is why Casey Lake had four field goals. So when you look at that, you got to win in the red zone. You know, we had five trips, one touchdown. Now, one of those trips, again, we took a knee at the end, but still one for four uh, coming away with one touchdown and four red zone trips. That's not winning football either against better competition. You're going to have to improve there and kind of stay where we were to start the season. And then the muff punt, that's the second time. Now, I kind of said that, It felt like this was our night because the roughing the passer went our way. The pick six went our way. All these things have been working against us. The muff punt this time, instead of staying in bounds to be recovered by the other team, it went out of bounds. But we have to address that before. It already hurt us once. It can't hurt us again. So those are some areas that we need to address. But, again, the beauty of it is when you have that on tape and you win by 23, you can teach those kids and grow as a football team and become better coming out of a big win. And that's how you want it to be. Yeah, I completely agree there, Jed. Um, I'll say, yeah, the bad, obviously agree with you on the slow start there. It was a little shaky up front. We had a couple bonehead plays, I thought, um, that just, you know, and a couple off chance plays with that, uh, with the tip ball right there and the the, uh, pass interference. Just why do you grab them? You know what I mean? You don't need to do that. Uh, Be in position, right? And I think that's kind of what happened. He was a little bit out of position. He was beat a little bit and didn't know where the ball was at, you know, 
does an unfortunate grab there. But, uh, you know, and then I said already with, with uh, Mathis's uh, unfortunate strip there, um, thankfully, hey, didn't matter, right? Wasn't a big deal because uh, we ended up, uh, they didn't get any points off of that one. And then I would say that's kind of like, that's that's where I'm at, I guess. Uh, a couple oh, start. Uh, busted, a couple busted, uh, uh, the coverage, the one where he Never threw does. it, if he would have thrown a good ball, it would have been a touchdown. Yeah. I don't know. Early on, man. A couple it, times, honestly. Yeah. Oh yeah. man. It, those we just need to clean up. You know what I mean, yeah, yeah. that kind of stuff right there. And, but honestly, it was, it was a good win, man. It, it felt like it literally felt, and I'll get to this with my key moment of the game here in a second, but it felt after that moment for me, we kind of, it was just our momentum. Yeah. yeah, I think the part of that, Owen, was Jacoby Spells kind of adjusting to the speed of the game. You know yeah. I mean? That's kind of what it felt like. We all know how it ended, him with the cherry on top, the pick six, and what a great finish that was. But early on, again, things had to slow down a little bit for him, getting thrust into that situation against those kids. And and uh, that's to be expected, but you're right. Uh, I mean, Texas is going to come out playing pitch and catch with some deep balls with the Xavier Worthies of the world and – I'm not so sure that they're going to leave those things on the table maybe a couple times like Tech did. Yeah, certainly. That's that's my concern. That's one of my concerns as well, too. The other – you know, you mentioned red zone offense there, Jed. Um, you got to be more cerebral inside your opponent's 20. Uh, you want to go to, to Austin and, and get a victory. You want to beat Baylor on Thursday night. You want to, you know, have success against both the Oklahoma teams who have had our number now for, for – a long time you you gotta be getting sevens and and, and not yep. settling for threes particularly yep. on the road as well too and it didn't cost you on thursday night and it's great that casey leg is so reliable um but i'm with you there that's that's something i want to see cleaned up as well too question for both of you gentlemen here before we get into our pivotal moments as um you know you i mean you you both you're you're obviously much more ingrained in in the x's and o's and i mean uh, Jed, I know you did some coaching, I believe, as well, too, earlier in your career. I know Owen now at, at Greenbrier West. I, I just got to ask the question. And I'm not somebody, you know, I don't, I don't like, I'm, this, this maybe isn't even a criticism. It's, it's, it's just a question. Um, benching Tony Mathis, right, after, after the fumble, but continuing to have Reese Smith go back there and return punts. I, I, I feel like I would be remiss if we didn't discuss this. I was thinking watching that game on Thursday night, what's the difference? You know, I, I know Tony's had his ball security issues before, and I know that that's something that I'm sure they're frustrated with. And maybe the difference is, maybe as I'm talking it out here, I'm, I'm, I'm answering my own question. Maybe you're much more confident in what you've got at running back than you do at punt and kick returner. And, 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 and maybe it's just as simple as that, and you can bench Tony Mathis, but you're not as comfortable to do that with Reese Smith. But just for me, I don't love the mixed signal of Tony fumbles, and that's been a problem, and we bench him. Reese Smith fumbles, and that's been a problem, but we continue to put him out there on return. I just wanted to pick your guys' brains on that. My thought. Well, I mean, yeah. Um, is that? I mean, is that a fair observation? You guys, no, tell me if I'm, if no, I'm absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I would agree to you hundred, hundred percent, hundred percent. Obviously, there's there's something else going on there. Uh, I think with just the room we have at running back right now. Uh, 
That it could be that simple. It it's really just could. that simple. I think maybe you know. I mean, I hate saying that, but we have to understand too. Look, it's not if you're a senior, okay. Um, and I get it. You've you've put the time in, and if you put the work in, the fact of the matter is, it's the best man is going to play the position. That's how you win the ball. That's that's how it works. Um, in my true opinion, I'm not saying that you can't give um you know some sort of leeway for those players at all but i mean clearly we have other people that uh are getting the job done right now and um you know maybe that's a little bit easier as far as the punt stuff goes man it's just scary because uh you know you can't do that you can't keep making the. I mean, you can't do it. You can't have the consistency. It's, it's great. It's like great that. that you got away with it, but yeah, you, exactly. You didn't, that's what I mean. Against Kansas, you know. And so I, I think maybe that might just be why too. You know what I mean? It didn't. You know, it wasn't effective. So. You know what I mean? I, I don't really know. It's, it, it's, it's a weird, it's a weird thing with, with uh, coaches and doing that. They obviously had. Um, you know, I'm sure they looked at all the, all the credit, all the information, all the stuff they needed to. Maybe they're fed up with what's going on right now. Like you said, I, I, I don't know. But as far as I go, yeah, if a guy's getting fumble happy, that's the last thing I want to deal with. Uh, it doesn't matter at whatever position. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Um, and right now, not hanging out in the football and being on this offense is not a good combination for you and your playing time. So, you know, sometimes driving that home for a guy like a senior, hey, you know better. You know, you know better. Um, so that's yeah, that's yeah. my two cents. I don't want to draw it out any longer, but Jed, what, do you, what, what are your thoughts? Well, yeah, what you got, yeah. Jedger? I'm just kind of the impression we, we, we don't necessarily have uh, a Tavon of Vaughn Rivers behind him. You know, it, it's a different skill set. Okay. Dude, and, Vaughn Rivers, the man, straight up forever. Yeah, I just it, it, he, 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 an he was a daredevil. He slid. Yeah, I mean, you know, that dude would go catch anything, man. Yeah, that's right. And, and so when you look at it like that, look, I returned punts in high school. You know, that's not like returning them in college. When when you're in college, those things are like they're coming out of a jugs machine. It's like being a high school center fielder versus a major league center fielder much different animal to catch those things. You know what I'm saying? So it's a different skill set. Now, when you look at the running back room, and this is just an educated guess that I'm making, when you look at the running back room, I think what contributes to this is the fact that you have a kid behind Tony Mathis who had a great camp, had a great off season. You can rely on him and you're not going to blink before putting him in. A matter of fact, you're probably going to try and find a way to put him in anyway. Even if the ball is not put on the ground by Tony Mathis. Yeah. So I think it's in part, yeah, Tony Mathis fumbled and that doesn't help, but I don't think it's a clear cut decision. If you fumbled, we don't have fumblers on the field, get out. No, I yeah. think it's the guy behind him's productive. He's shown that he can contribute. Here's your chance yeah. to do so. We don't miss much at all. And with a punt returner, that's not always going to be the case. I mean, if you remember for a couple of years under Dana, we couldn't even find one on the oh roster. Sometimes bad. we went back without bad. one. You don't want to go back to those days. So they don't grow on trees. You're thinking, well, people, re you know, there's all kind of high school punt returners, line them up and do this. That's a special it's person. Simple. It's not that simple. It takes a special skill set. 
and there's going to be a couple kids on the team that are battling it out. And every day before and after practice, that's exactly what they're doing is battling it out. Now, based on what the staff is seeing with Reese Smith and the others, a decision's made. Who gives us the best chance to not drop this punt? Okay. Now, it's not because they like Reese Smith and don't mind him dropping punts. They obviously feel Reese Smith gives us the best chance to not drop the punt. And despite all that, he's done it not once, but twice. So it will, of course, be revisited. It would be revisited anyway. And they're always looking for a way to improve it. But you have to nip it in the bud somehow, some way, and address it. Uh, and maybe even act with a little more urgency. That's not to say they weren't already. Because punt returner, just like every other position, has competition. It's just kind of a different animal because the skill set's a little more unique. Okay. But I, I truly believe when it comes to the Mathis Justin thing, that had much as much to do with Justin being ready and showing you that he can help you as it did with Mathis hurting you. I, I really, because even if Tony hadn't fumbled, I think Justin's going to play a lot one way or the other. So that to me, that's the fundamental difference. Sure, sure. But okay. yes, we have to address this one way or the other by hook or by crook before it, it already hurt us in a big way and directly contributed to the Kansas loss. We can't let that happen again. I like it. I like it. Uh, all right, gentlemen, let's, uh, as we start to wrap this up, let's get into our pivotal moments here. Uh, Owen went first on that last one. So Jed, I'll come to you. What's your pivotal moment? Of course, brought to you by our friends at high street prints. Make sure you're checking them out. High street print shop. Dot com. Also on our website, itgfootball.com. You'll see we've got the gear up there. It's all ready to go. It can't be ordered yet, but it will be here momentarily. So thanks to High Street Prince for, uh, for getting that all together for us. Jedgar Allen Poe, your pivotal moment was? Uh, I would have to say this. Uh, now, a lot of things led up to this, but we had the field goal under two minutes to go in the first half to cut the lead to 7-6. to six. We forced – the stop defensively, okay, near midfield, all right, key stop for the defense. So that that contributed to this, uh, to give us the football back at the 30, to give us a puncher's chance to drive and take the lead. Now, everybody's going to talk about the great throw that JT made. Uh, Sam James, what tremendous concentration when they showed us that too high look. You know, uh, JT did a great job throwing it right off the backer's ear. Uh, perfectly executed play for the touchdown to give us the lead. That play never takes place, but for a couple plays earlier, if you remember, JT went up the sidelines, up our sidelines toward our corridor, toward uh, Bryce Ford Wheaton and Dorian Strong, the corner for Virginia Tech. Dorian Strong on that deep ball had that football intercepted clear as day. Bryce Ford Wheaton didn't let him come down with it. He out him stripped the football away, making one of the better defensive plays by either side all night. And the ball went bouncing harmlessly, incomplete out of bounds. That should have been an interception. That's a Bryce PBU. That's a PBU for Bryce. Absolutely. Ford That's yeah. a PBU by Bryce Ford Wheaton on the offensive side. That was an interception that he stripped away. And if that ball is intercepted, all of a sudden the Hokies are now able to take a knee, going to the locker room up seven to six, getting the ball in the second half, a little different dynamic. Okay, we don't have the momentum. They do. So I even told him after Sam scored that touchdown, I went up to Bryce when he came off the field. and I said, big boy, you get an assist on that touchdown. And he just had a big old smile because he immediately recognized what I was talking about. So to me, 
that was the turning point that set the table for what turned out to be the go-ahead touchdown, giving us a lead that we would never relinquish. Big play by Bryce Fordwee. Yeah, Jed, I, I was on the same page with you. That entire drive, just punching it in there <clears throat> and uh, getting those points right before the half, just kind of taking the wind out of the uh, the energy zone there with the stadium and, and the crowd. But <clears throat> I thought great plays all around. Obviously, the nice uh, cherry on top there, um, splitting the coverage and, and getting behind there for the uh, for the touchdown. But kudos to BFW um, and and just focusing up, right? JT, the whole crew going down, knowing they need. Let's punch this in right now. It's it's under two minute. You know, executing it perfectly, going down. And punching it in right before they go in for halftime. I thought that was, offense. yep, yep. I thought that was, in my opinion, uh, you know, that's a dagger at home. Uh, you know what I mean? You got you got a, an electric crowd. The, the game's close, and they just literally right right before half just punch one in. Uh, it's kind of what happened to us um, against Kansas, sort of. I thought our momentum, and then just going in the second half, I thought we were just they couldn't recover from that. It was like, it was just too easy for us to score. Compare that, Owen. You're exactly right. Against Kansas, Jalen Daniels hit the seam route for the touchdown and silenced our crowd. Yeah. Against Tech, JT hit the seam route. And Wes, I want to hear your pivotal moment, and I'll finish with BFW with this. People say he didn't have a big night statistically. They kind of took him away. I'm not so sure about that. We talked about the strip, which was the play of the game for me. But he also drew two critical PIs. I mean, one of them was early in the game. They penned us on our two. We're trying to drive out. We get backed up by a holding call. And the next thing you know, it's second and 17. Well, one of those PIs bailed us out of that second and 17. Yes. We probably yes. had to punt from poor field position and give it to Tech at midfield. So he, he helped force that PI. And his other PI came later in the game on a crucial second and 10. So both of them were critical penalties. So I count those as catches, guys. But, Wes, pivotal moment for you. Yeah, you know what? It's funny. I figured this was going to happen because, I mean, my answer was the same. It was the Bryce Ford Wheaton PBU into the Sam James salute, the ROTC mm -hmm. touchdown, and WVU, of course, led from, from that point onward. Um, another one for me, though, was in the third quarter. Uh, you know, uh, Virginia Tech – or sorry, pardon me, we get the – no, Virginia Tech gets the ball first at halftime, correct? Yep. Uh, we force the three and out. That's when the Reese Smith month happens, but we get the ball back, go down the field and get a field goal. And, again, you're feeling like you're controlling this game, but you look at the scoreboard, it's still 16-7, to right? I mean, it's still – Virginia Tech is still within striking distance, one touchdown, even a field goal, they're, they're right back in this thing. Virginia Tech does get that field goal, right, on the ensuing drive. Then all of a sudden it's 16-10 to and you're – Again, thinking, we've, I mean, we're clearly the better team here, but it's only a six-point lead. Well, you have a nine-play, 75-yard touchdown drive uh, capped off by that Justin Johnson touchdown run. That, to me, um, was maybe the second pivotal moment for me behind, behind Bryce Ford Wheaton and Sam James in that sequence at the end of the half because, like I said, while it felt like you were in the driver's seat, while it felt like you were clearly the better team and the night was going to be yours – you still only had a six-point lead in the third quarter. You wanted that cushion. You got it with that drive. Nine plays, 75 yards. You take more than five minutes off the clock. And that's when I think really 
some Virginia Tech fans, you know, started to to look for the exits. And then obviously the, the, the Jacoby Spells pick six really, you know, sent everyone home packing. But for me, um, after Virginia Tech answers, you know, start of the second half, third quarter, Mountaineers get a field goal. Virginia Tech answers. It's still a one-possession game to orchestrate that that long 75-yard touchdown drive. Give yourself the, the you know, the two-possession cushion to go up by 13. Um, that's that's what I'll go with here just to give us a different answer. We have to give a shout-out to that fourth-and-one stop. That yeah. has to be an honorable mention here. That yep. was critical. I mean, that came out of a timeout. Uh, I'll say this, that truly brought our sidelines to light. I mean, that the burning embers of our sidelines had kerosene tossed on them and just lit up when that fourth and one stop took place. I mean, that really brought us to life. Hey, uh, That's a great one too. Fourth and three. Is that, is that part of the analytics now? <laughs> <laughs> Everything's part of the analytics though. It's fourth and three. Hey, it's fourth and three, baby. We're going for it, son. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Pivotal moment, another one, the last one, WVU walking off the field with the Black Diamond Trophy because that thing's going to stay in Morgantown for the foreseeable future, baby. I'd say that's pivotal, huh? Very uh, gentlemen, this was a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun on Thursday night. We've had fun recapping it for all of you. Um We've got plenty to come this week. We're going to have another ITG No Huddle where Owen will read some more literature from Jed Gral and Poe. He'll get you ready to go hunting for some Bevo beef uh, down in Austin. And then we will have our full uh, WVU Texas preview episode as well, too. So we're into this kind of uh, three ITGs a week. You get the recap episode and the preview episode that you become accustomed to, a little no huddle in between there as well, too. So make sure you're staying locked in with us, right? Uh, all your social media channels, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, In The Gun Podcast is where you find us. Follow us there. Subscribe on YouTube if you want to see our beautiful mugs. Um, make sure you're getting involved with the polls that we run on Twitter as well, too. Uh, and gentlemen, we're uh, gearing up for for another big week here. We'll see. I, I tell you what, there's certainly been a lot more feel good around the fan base these past two weeks. In the first two weeks, uh, you able to go down to Austin and get a win, and uh, and 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 look out. I think we'll all be uh, we'll all be climbing that mountain once again. The beauty of a league like the Big Twelve, there are always opportunities right around the corner. So. If you fall short, if you stub your toe, if you don't feel good about yourself, much like took place against Kansas, well, now that we're jumping into league play, you come out of Texas. Here comes Baylor to Morgantown. I mean, it's just – there's no empty chairs in this schedule. There really aren't. It's not the uh, ACC and, Coastal Division. That's No, sure. it's not the ACC Coastal. Uh, or were they one in five this weekend? Yeah, and the only uh, win was yeah. Pitt against Rhode Island. Rhode Island, yeah. But, uh, yeah, there's no empty chairs. Uh, there's always a fun one right around the corner. And the next fun one is at DKR, baby. I mean, it's, it's always fun. I mean, even when that place is flat, it's still fun. And sometimes it's not, sometimes it's up, sometimes it's down, but I've been there when they've had 101,000 going nuts. I've been there when they had 90,000 sitting on their hands, sipping tea, but it's always fun. And that's the beauty of the big 12. Certainly is. Reminder, you want to hear Owen doing some uh, some waxing poetic about Bevo and about the Longhorns, make sure you're checking out our No Huddle here. And then later in the week, we will have the full recap episode for – or the full preview, pardon me, episode for you as we continue to get ready for Mountaineers 
and Longhorn. 7.30 Saturday night down there in Austin, Texas. For Jed Drenning and for Owen Schmidt, I'm Wesley Euler. Thanks for listening. Be an ear. Tell an ear about your new favorite WVU podcast. And, uh, and we'll talk to you guys soon. You have been in the gun. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.